If you've ever been tempted to compromise and given into that temptation, man, it can be a hollow feeling. But the question is, how do we conquer compromise? Well, the book of Daniel will give us a great example of that. Daniel resolved in his heart not to compromise. We can learn how to overcome temptation, how not to compromise from this chapter, and it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. All right, so conquering compromise. Uh, Daniel, when he was taken in one of the waves of the uh, captivity as King Nebuchadnezzar descended on uh, Jerusalem, I told you as we did an introduction to the book of Daniel, there were three waves starting in 605, then 597, and finally 586 B.C. when Jerusalem was leveled to the ground. Three waves of captives were taken prior to the city being destroyed, and Daniel may have been among those early uh, captors, and he was taken to Babylon to a foreign land. As uh, scholars have calculated his age about that time and of his companions, they estimate, and I think on good grounds, that he was about 14 when he was taken. Remember, in Jewish families, when you turn 13, you become a man. So you have what's called a bar mitzvah. You become literally a son of the law. And you become culpable or responsible for yourself at the age of 13. You're supposed to know the Torah. You're supposed to be able to, you know, take on uh, those things which belong to a man. And that's pretty young, you know, comparatively speaking. If you look at our culture right now where, you know, kids pretty much live with their parents until they're 35. So, but anyway, we won't go there tonight. And so uh, Daniel, even though he was young in our own chronology, he would be considered a man in Jewish thought. And he would have probably gone through some sort of rite of passage. And right after that, say about within a year of that ceremony, of that formal rite of passage. And I would say to you fathers that having some sort of ceremony or rite of passage for your sons and daughters is a good idea. Talk to me about that later and I'll give you some ideas. But Daniel was taken. Now, the training period for the indoctrination and assimilation in a foreign land that took place was a three-year training as far as Babylon was concerned. So three years, they tried to assimilate you into the culture. And you remember some things that they tried to do. For example, they introduced them to their school and their religious philosophy and occult practices and even a name change, all intended to assimilate you into this new culture so that you could be like them. And of course, they had taken some of the holy vessels Nebuchadnezzar did, taken them from the holy temple into the temple of his God, saying, our God's stronger than your God. And we looked at all that Daniel as a captor would have gone through some 500 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon in some sort of march, maybe with something, you know, poked through your nose as you're being pulled along or maybe through your lip as you're being pulled to a foreign land. Just a brutal situation. And uh, I asked a, a congregation like this many years ago when I preached the book of Daniel this question, and I want to address it to you parents. Do you think that your teenager right now, with how well they're grounded in their faith, would take a similar stand in a Babylon kind of experience as Daniel and his friends did? 
Think they're ready? Have we put enough of the faith, enough of the steel of the faith in their souls, if I can put it that way, to where they could make a stand in the face of a fiery furnace or in the face of a lion's den or the like? Something to consider when we consider how we raise our children and what's really important and what's really going to last. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be in sports. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a good balance. But I am saying, and I'll, I'll address the dads, that they should know that you love Jesus Christ first and foremost above golf, above baseball, above your favorite TV show, car racing, whatever it is that you are into, your motorcycle. I'm going to try to reach everybody. Uh, let's see. What, what else can I name? Racket sports. So... I think it's important. Uh, I remember years ago watching a video. Uh, it was done by some fathers. They were being interviewed. And, you know, one of the dads said, honestly, you know, I, I know my kid knows I love baseball. I know my kid knows I have these favorite teams. But I want to make sure my son, my daughter, knows that Jesus Christ is the most important thing, the most important one in my life. And I don't think that you have to try to manufacture that. If it's true, they're going to see it. If it's true, it's going to come out in your life. Now, while the book of Daniel is largely about the sovereignty of God, and let me just explain, and I'm going to just jump ahead to Daniel 4 to show you something, because I do believe that this is a potentially a theme verse for the book. Uh, move ahead to Daniel 4 for a second. The sovereignty of God is at the heart of the book of Daniel. Let me explain when we say that God is sovereign, we're talking about he, that he is the ultimate ruler. That if someone was ultimately in charge, it is God. God is sovereign. He's the ultimate ruler. Take a look. Um, this is uh, Nebuchadnezzar up on his balcony. He is uh, puffing himself up, everything that he's done, everything that he's built. And here's what it says. Daniel 4.31. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away from mankind and, you, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle. And seven periods of time, many believe seven years, will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler. Here's an idea of sovereignty. The Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows it on whomever he wishes. Daniel 4.32 is what I want you to note, especially the end of the verse. The Most High God, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows power, office, success, prosperity on whomever he wishes. That is sovereignty. However, if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to show you the tension. Here's the tension. Daniel in the face of having to compromise to the Babylonian ways. Maybe he saw the commercial, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. Maybe he saw the commercial, whatever happens in Babylon, stays in Babylon. I mean, against all those things that could have come his way, against all the pressure, all that had happened to him, maybe things that could have caused him to wonder if the God of Israel was a, the true God at all. Daniel made a radical decision. 
Daniel, Daniel 1.8, made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Now, Bible students, here's what I want to show you with the tension. Even though God is sovereign and the ultimate ruler in our theological uh, framework, we would say probably all of us, we believe in the sovereignty of God that does not extract or remove your responsibility. Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. Now, some people take the sovereignty of God that God's ultimately in control and say, well, then I guess what I do doesn't really matter anyway. No, what you do matters and what you do, you will be held accountable for. And someone would look at maybe Daniel 1.8 and what follows and say, man, this only had to do with food choices. It seems like maybe in our experience of life, relatively, you know, insignificant. We're talking about, you know, meat and wine and, and as compared to maybe a, a, a kosher diet or vegetables or what have you. But it's much bigger than that. And we'll talk about that. But the first point I want you to see is though even though the theme of the book is the rulership of God, you are still responsible for your decision making. And you as an individual have been given a great gift and it's called the gift of free will. And you have the chance because you've been given a ability, you've been given a will, you've been given a brain, you've been given choices you can make your choices and you get to live with the significance of them, whether they're good or bad. And Daniel determined. He purposed in his heart. He resolved, if you have the NIV, if you have the New American Standard, it says he made up his mind. I think the New King James says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I want to say this to you as strongly as I can say it to you. If you decide before something comes your way that you will not defile yourself, it will be much easier to deal with the dangling carrots in your face. You've got a purpose in your heart ahead of time. You've got to make up your mind that you are not going to defile yourself no matter what everybody else is doing. I mean, imagine how many captives do you think were taken over in each wave into Babylon? Thousands? Uh, there were probably people from other nations or people from Israel. How many people do you think compromised during Daniel's lifespan as he was there in Babylon? Probably just about everybody. In fact, when they stand before the 90-foot colossal statue that we'll see in Daniel chapter 3, everybody bows except those three young men. Everybody else is bowing, which tells you that compromise was running rampant in the land, just like it's running rampant everywhere in our land, in our schools, uh, in our churches. And if you are going to resolve in your heart, you're going to purpose in your heart that you are not going to compromise, you're going to have to do that now before you're in a compromising situation. If you don't make up your mind now that you want to live a holy life, and look, this is the idea. The opposite of compromise is holiness. The opposite of compromise is godliness. It's contentment with where God has me and where I'm headed in terms of my walk with Him. The opposite of compromise is holiness. Holiness, simply put, is to be set apart unto God. 
In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. You've got a purpose in your heart ahead of time. You've got to make up your mind that you are not going to defy or defile yourself no matter what everybody else is doing. I mean, imagine how many captives do you think were taken over in each wave into Babylon? Thousands? Uh, there were probably people from other nations or people from Israel. How many people do you think compromised during Daniel's lifespan as he was there in Babylon? Probably just about everybody. In fact, when they stand before the 90-foot colossal statue that we'll see in Daniel chapter 3, everybody bows except those three young men. Everybody else is bowing, which tells you that compromise was running rampant in the land, just like it's running rampant everywhere in our land, in our schools, uh, in our churches. And if you are going to resolve in your heart, you're going to purpose in your heart that you are not going to compromise, you're going to have to do that now before you're in a compromising situation. If you don't make up your mind now that you want to live a holy life, and look, this is the idea. The opposite of compromise is holiness. The opposite of compromise is godliness. It's contentment with where God has me and where I'm headed in terms of my walk with him. The opposite of compromise is holiness. Holiness, simply put, is to be set apart unto God for what he wants you to do and what he wants you to be. And you will be swimming against the tide if you make up your mind to do it. Have you? Have you made up your mind? I'm not going to assume in looking at a group of people like you tonight that you have. Some people might respond, 75%. <laughs> Depends on what day you ask me, Pastor Michael. If you ask me on Sunday between 10 and noon, I've made up my mind. You ask me on Monday at 6.30 a.m. before I've had my coffee. I remember uh, we were at our old location and there were some kids. They were uh, sitting on the wall just by one of the driveways of the church and they were over there smoking cigarettes. And so I looked out my office window and I went, ah, an opportunity. And so I walked outside and I addressed them and I said, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, well, we're over, we're over here and we live over there and we're at this girl's house and the father came home and kicked us out of the house. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Well, where, where do you belong? Well, we're over in this city, and it's like three or four cities away. 
and we're waiting for a ride. And I said, okay, well, do you realize you're, you're sitting on the church wall here? This is a church. I'm Pastor Michael. Do you guys go to church? Oh, yeah, we, we go to church. <laughs> so what were you doing at that girl's house? Well, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you answer him, right? And then one of the kids said something to me. He goes, church is for Sundays. And he said it like that. And it's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. Because what, what we came to find out is they were up to no good. And the answer was church is for Sundays. I don't actually live it out. I just go to a building with my parents. And the question is, have you made up your mind? Oh, I know it takes some time. I, I know we're all in process. I know sometimes... You know, we, we get introduced to the faith. Some of you have grown up in a Christian home and, and some, some people probably have to have a crisis of faith. Some people may have to come to a crossroads and decide if they've decided. And some, maybe every day we kind of have to redecide. <laughs> Amen? We have to be born again. Amen. But, but, but even though, even if we're born again, you have to decide to follow Jesus every day. No turning back, girl. <laughs> so Daniel made up his mind that, verse 8, he would not defile himself with the king's choice food. We're back in Daniel 1.8. Or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile. The word defile could be translated soil, desecrate, or pollute himself. And if you do a little uh, homework in the lexicons, the Hebrew lexicon here, it speaks of a religious defilement. He did not want to pollute himself in terms of his faith before God. And so Daniel made up his mind. Now, is this a place where you should, should you die on this hill? You might ask Daniel if you're like one of his buddies. Is this the place that you want to make the stand when it comes to lunch? The lunch menu, man, we got problems here. We're in Babylon. We ain't in Kansas anymore. Come on. But Daniel made up his mind. And Daniel seems to be the one who's leading the group. You're going to see it's all of them. But Daniel seems to be a leader within leaders. And he said, I don't want to defile myself. He made up his mind. So before him was the king's choice food, the wine which he drank. So Daniel sought permission from the commander of the officials, the, the man apparently directly over the captives. And I don't know what the conversation was like, but it, was, it may have started off with just something like this. I, I don't want to defile myself, man. I, there's laws from my land, and, and I want to be clean before my God. You do have to make up your mind. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. Psalm 101, verse 3. Psalm 423, excuse me, uh, Proverbs 423 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, the book of Hebrews says, Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh, there's scriptures that say, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. 
So even though I appreciate our sister here on the front row, I still would argue that it's still a decision that you make to put on the new man, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put on the armor of God. Even though you're born again, you still have to put on the new man. You have to make a decision to put away the old and to walk in the new. And that's what Daniel had before him. That's what Moses had to face. That's what Abraham had to face. And interestingly enough, as I said to you last week, the book of Daniel, Daniel's name means God is my judge. Nebuchadnezzar's not my judge. The official over the captives is not my judge. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Remember I showed you Dan means judge and El is the name of God. And there's a tribe, the, the tribe of Dan, which has the idea of judge and E-L at the end of his name is the name of God. God is my judge. You're not my judge, Nebuchadnezzar. You're not my judge, king of the officials. God is my judge. But I will say to you that even though Daniel made this decision in the moment, it couldn't have been an easy decision. And I'll say to you that holiness and the road to holiness is, for the most part, hard. <laughs> the holiness is hard in school, in the workplace, when it comes to business ethics, when it comes to, you know, all kinds of things that come at us. It, it can be hard. But the more you do it, the more you just deal with the peer pressure and you decide that I want to please God first and foremost, I think it does get easier. Now notice what happens. Back to the sovereignty of God. Daniel decided God granted Daniel, Daniel 1.9, favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. It's like the writer wants us never to forget that even though Daniel decided God was the one giving him the grace. See, apart from Jesus, I can do how much? Nothing. So God was the one who gave Daniel favor and compassion. So I think it's reasonable when we are making decisions regarding holiness. We don't want to compromise. Uh, I often pray, as I pray over people, Lord, would you grant favor to this person? You know, would you grant them compassion? Would you, would you let them be a blessing and let others see Jesus in them? And so God honored Daniel's desire for holiness, and he will do the same for you. God will honor a desire for holiness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. Blessed are you. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied. You'll be blessed. It's not going to be easy but it's going to be a blessing. 1 Corinthians 10 is where I'd like to take you next. Hold your place in the book of Daniel. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It reads this way. It says, No temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, what does God provide? He provides the way out, the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. With Just park here for a second, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Every temptation is common to everyone. God is faithful. 
He will not allow the temptation to be too much for you without providing this, without providing a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So every temptation that comes your way, and by the way, it's not a sin to be tempted. You don't want to be silly about, if you turn back to the book of Daniel, don't put yourself in a situation of temptation. But if a temptation comes your way, and there it is, and it's like, you know, it's going to happen from time to time, just know that God says it's common to everybody and there will be a way of escape. But a way of escape sounds to me like you still have to take it, doesn't it? If there's a way out, if you were in a certain situation and there was a certain escape route or there was a certain way out, say there was a secret passage or a, a door or something like that, you still have to take the exit. God provides the lit sign arrow. But there is still this tension with God providing the way of escape, but you having to take the way of escape, right? Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.